day they're born, the day they discover, wow, one's kind of easy to pin down, isn't it? It might be born on April 11th or June 28th, September 12th or November 3rd. I mean, you know, because you have a birth certificate, you know, because your parents uh, tell you what day you're born, uh, figuring out why is a little more difficult. Sometimes it takes a long time. Sometimes maybe it comes in a burst of insight. April 18, 2013, Sean Collier was assigned to a certain intersection on the campus of Massachusetts Institute of Technology in Boston. Three days earlier, you might remember, two bombs had exploded near the finish of the Boston Marathon, killing three people, injuring over 250 others. They had found out by this time, three days later, massive manhood, they'd, massive manhood, they'd narrowed down the, the area of those suspected bombers to the area around the MIT campus. Police believe that sometime after 10 p.m. that night, those two bombers crept up on Sean Collier's patrol car, shooting him five times. He was pronounced dead at a nearby hospital. He was only 27 years old. In a statement posted on the university website, MIT Police Chief Don DeFava said this about Sean. Sean was one of these guys who really looked at police work as a calling. He was born to be a police officer. He figured out why. Some are born to be moms or dads. Uh, some are born to be politicians. Some are born to be welders. Some are born to be professional athletes. Uh, some are born to be preachers. The list goes on. But I wonder today, do you know why you are born? Do you know why you are here? you know why you were born? That's the question we want to look at today. You might say, well, I'm trying to figure out God's will about that. I need to discover God's will about why I was born or, or what I'm supposed to be doing. How do you discover God's will? The answer is, and this might discourage you coming from a preacher, uh, you can't. You don't discover God's will. God's will discovers you, is my belief. God's will discovers you. You don't find it. It finds you. Someone said, and I think they're right, God's will is more like a sunrise than a sunburst. Out of the darkness and the chaos of life, God's will slowly rises over the horizon. It's not so much that we see the sun, it's that by the sun we see everything else. That makes sense. That reminds me of another common metaphor, the blueprint of life. Maybe you're like me, you wish God would just send you telegrams or emails about what you're supposed to do, right? But it, it takes time, doesn't it? We want to know what are steps in our life and the timing of it, when to do this and when to do that, uh, but it's difficult to figure out. Do I take this job? Do I prepare for this career? Do I marry this boy or this girl? Uh, all of those questions you want to know. The bad news I have for you, perhaps, if you're one of those that want to know, is the blueprint of your life is locked up on the third floor of the administration building in heaven. And you're not going to get access to it. It happens over time, over experience. It's why I think it's important to surround yourself with godly people, to be in a godly environment, because it's through people 
It's through the revelation of the Spirit over time that we figure out uh, why we were born, that we figure out God's will for our life, that we figure out God's blueprint for us. But I can assure you of this. I can give you one concrete truth today. And let me tell you, the next few weeks we're going to be looking at the life of Joseph in the book of Genesis, chapters 37 to 50. I, I think Joseph can teach us some amazing lessons about life. And I think today we address in this very first chapter we introduced to him, chapter 37, I think we see that Joseph can teach us something about why we were born. It's amazing, though this is millennia ago when Joseph lived and walked on the earth, that we can learn from his life today. And I will tell you this, in general, I think we are all born to serve God. I think we are at our best. I think we will only find true fulfillment as we get outside of ourselves, we get beyond ourselves, and we learn to love God and to love others and to be a servant. Now, the way you serve is going to look different than the way you serve and the way I serve, but figuring out we are born to serve God, I think, is step number one. And what that looks like happens over time. It didn't happen right away for Joseph. As we meet him, he's 17 years old. He's following along in the father's footsteps, the grandfather and the great-grandfather's footsteps. They all were shepherds. They all raised livestock. He's following along after them, but he doesn't really know what's going to happen. Who does at 17? But he has a knowledge. He has a faith in God, even from this early age. Jesus said this, Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My father will honor the one who serves me. Now, I don't know about you, but I would love to live a life that God would honor. As I say, the best, the most fulfilling life is the one that serves God. Now, you don't have to serve God in a full-time vocation like I do. You can serve God wherever you are, whatever you're doing for a living. With the relationships that you have, you can serve God. But make no mistake, we need to serve Him. Now, I'll say to you, serving God's not easy. There are always hurdles to serve God. What I think Joseph teaches us in chapter 37 is we can serve God despite, despite a dysfunctional family. You can serve God despite the dysfunctional family. Look at verses 1 through 4. Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob's family, family line. So this is Joseph's father. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives, and he brought their father a bad report about them. Now Israel, that's another name for Jacob. Now Israel or Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had had been born to him in his old age and he made an ornate robe robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him. They could not speak a kind word to him. (laughs) Dysfunction. We have one father, four mothers, 12 brothers, and at least one sister, Dinah. And even... With all those kids, Jacob picks out one because he's the firstborn to the woman he truly loved most, and he favors him to the point where he makes it indisputable. 
He makes this beautiful, ornate robe of many colors for Joseph and gives it to him. How would you like to have had a brother like Joseph? You see, the seeds of dysfunction. Listen, if this were today, this family would be a shoe-in for the Dr. Phil show. Right? You cannot control the circumstances that you came from. And maybe today you came from a, a perfectly normal family. Maybe you came from a great family. But chances are, in our culture, we see more and more dysfunction. We see more and more broken families. We see more and more uh, not-so-ideal places and ways and surroundings to grow up. What I think you need to understand, I, I hope, from this is that God uses and, and Joseph serves him in a mighty way despite that background. And I will say to you, you cannot, I believe, don't use your background as an excuse. You can be anything that you want to be. If you want to serve God, then you can overcome whatever past you have. Maybe it is the family background. Maybe it's past decisions that you've made, big mistakes that you've made. Listen, your life is not over. The past is the past, but you can break from that. You can overcome that. I think Joseph shows us that. He doesn't know at 17 what he's going to do. And it's not his choice that his father favored him and made his brothers hate him. But, but that's what it is. It is what it is, like we like to say today. What is Joseph to do? He wants to serve God anyway. And I hope you can say that. You will serve God despite your past mistakes, despite uh, or, or overcoming any family issues that you have. <clears throat> Secondly, I think we, we see here we can serve despite enemies, both from within and from without. We can serve God despite enemies, both from within and without. What do I mean by from within? <clears throat> I think it's very easy for us uh, to be self-oriented. It's very easy for us to be self-centered. It's very easy for us to take shortcuts and to seek to please ourselves, to, to run over people who get in our way, to do what we want to do. It's very easy to trust in our own ways. But Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 gives us a different way. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. You see the contrast there? Trust God, not yourself. Lean on him and he will make your path straight. Submit to him. That's hard to do. On a daily basis, if we're going to live a life to serve God, we need to surrender him on a daily basis. I tell you, I've, I've told you before, I begin every day with this prayer. God, help me get out of the way and let your spirit lead me today. Let your spirit make my decisions for me today. I think it's absolutely vital, absolutely crucial to understand and to know to discover God's will is really a daily process. It begins with surrendering to him and seeing what he brings, seeing where, where he takes you, seeing what he wants you to know. From Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, I know these things. He can put you, God, exactly where he wants you to be. He can arrange all the details of your life years in advance. 
He can open doors uh, that seem shut tight. He can remove any obstacle in your way. He can take your choices and fit them into his plan that you end up at the right place at just the right time. He can take your mistakes and bring good out of them. He can take tragedy and use it for your good and his glory. See, it's an internal battle we first face to serving God, to putting him first. More than two decades before he died, Michael Jackson sang these lyrics. I'm starting with the man in the mirror. I'm asking him to change his ways. And no message could have been any clearer. If you want to make the world a better place, if you want to make the world a better place, take a look at yourself and then make a change. See, the answer to why you were born begins with, were you you born to serve yourself? Or were you born to serve God? Take a look at yourself. Take a look at yourself today. How do you answer that question? You fight that battle from within. But Joseph, as so many of us do, had obstacles from outside. In this case, his brothers. Because his father Jacob favored him, uh, because he made it quite evident his brothers hated him. If you doubt that, look at it. Uh, Verse 4 says, When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Verse 5, Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. Verse 8, his brothers said to him, Do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. And verse 11, his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. He had enemies from within. And maybe that's happened to you. Maybe that's your situation. Maybe there are people in your family, people close to you, that, that really kind of they work against you serving God. They work against you being faithful to God. Maybe you're married to somebody that doesn't want to be a part of serving God. Maybe you, you have those folks quite close. I say to you, they didn't derail Joseph, and I hope, I hope they won't derail you. I hope that, that you'll trust God, you'll surrender to God each day in spite of that. You won't let the setbacks keep you from serving God. And that's the third uh, item I see here, the third reality I see here, uh, that we can serve despite setbacks. We can serve God despite setbacks. Verses 18 to 28. But they saw him in a distance. This is his brothers. They're near Dothan. And before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Their hatred, their jealousy has grown so strong that they want to kill their brother. Here comes the dreamer, they said, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns. The cisterns were deep holes in the ground where water pooled and was kept. Uh, obviously in an arid climate, uh, they needed reliable sources of water. These cisterns uh, would keep, they were built to, to diminish evaporation. They would keep water uh, from rains when they came, infrequently as they did. And say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. When Reuben heard this, he tried to rescue him from their hands. At least Joseph had one brother who, who was kind of on his side. Let's not take his life, he said. Don't shed any blood. Throw him into this cistern here in the wilderness, but don't lay a hand on him. Reuben said this to rescue him from them and take him back to his father. 
So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the ornate robe he was wearing, and they took him and threw him into the cistern. The cistern was empty. There was no water in it. As they sat down to eat their meal, isn't that cruel? Isn't that cold? You toss your brother in this pit, you're going to leave him to die, and they sit down and eat. We're just having a good time. We got rid of that headache. As they sat down to eat their meal, they looked up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Their camels were loaded with spices, balm, and myrrh, and they were on their way to take them down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, what will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. (laughs) Is that not irony? Uh, Oh, let's not kill him. Let's get some money for him. Let's sell him and get rid of him that way. His brothers agreed. So when the Midianite merchants came by, by the way, how many compromises do we make because of money? It's a pointed question we need to think about. So when the Midianite merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph up out of the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt. Now listen, Joseph begins chapter 37 as this cushy life, the favored son of a a relatively wealthy family. And by the end of chapter 37, he finds himself in Egypt. If that were you, how would you have regarded your relationship with God at that point? See, I will say to you, so oftentimes we build and think about our relationship, about and we make it conditional. As long as God has got good things going on in our life, yeah, we're, I believe. But when it gets tough, when the obstacles arise from within and without, when we suffer setbacks, do we keep serving God? How big is our God? That's the question. Do we trust and love God? No matter what happens, do we trust God even more when difficult things come? That's the question. That's the question we need to ask ourselves. I will tell you, when you find yourself, and listen, I'm not belittling setbacks. I know it's difficult when you face a medical crisis. I know it is hard when a relationship goes kaput. I know it is hard when you have a professional setback. But I'm saying to you, The Bible is full of people who faced obstacles and grew their faith in trusting God. And God honored that. Like it said in John 12, 26, God honors the one who serves him. Let me say to you, whatever situation you find your your life in today, there is more to the story. There's more to the story. Elvis Costello wrote, every day I write the book in one of his most famous songs. What he means by that is yesterday's yesterday's days are are written, they're they're past, but today your life is still going on, and today you write your story that will set the foundation for tomorrow. There's more to the story. I will talk to you much more about this over the next few weeks, but let me just jump ahead to Genesis 50-20 and hear this. Joseph saying to his brothers, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving 
of many lives. Joseph never lost his trust and faith in God, and so must we not. Joseph continued to trust God despite his brothers turning on him and selling him out. Romans 8.28 says, We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. I assure you of this. You were born to serve God. And if you will trust God, I will tell you, there will be potholes along the way. There may be detours along the way. But if you trust and serve God, God will work in you and around you in ways seen and unseen to bring about his will. He is that big of a God. About three years ago, this time of year, Rick and Kay Warren had the worst day of their lives. You might know the name Rick Warren. Pastor, founding pastor of a church called Saddleback Church in Southern California, started in his living room. Now, I think has about 25,000 people on Sunday and Saturday. He also wrote The Purpose Driven Life. Maybe one of the best-known ministers in all of America, confidant of presidents. But April 2013, he and his wife Kay went to their son Matthew's apartment. Matthew had always struggled with mental illness. They'd tried to find the best specialist for him. When they couldn't reach him on the phone, they had a bad feeling. They called the police to meet them at his apartment because the door was locked. They couldn't get an answer. When they opened the door, their worst fears were confirmed. Matthew had killed himself. For four months, Rick Warren didn't go back to the pulpit. Late July, he went, and he and Kay both spoke to the congregation. They thanked him for their love and their support. In trying to explain how his Christian faith helped him through this tragedy, Rick said, God knows what it's like to lose a son. And then he added, when you go through a difficult time, you automatically start to try and find an answer. But explanations never comfort. You don't need explanations. You need the presence of God. May God always be present in your life because you don't leave him you trust him and you serve him because he's that big a God (laughs) then as the service closed Rick joined the worship team in singing blessed be the name do you know those lyrics how amazing it must have been as Rick Warren joined his team And with his Bible raised high, he sang, you give and take away. You give and take away. Still my heart will choose to say, blessed be your name. (laughs) Blessed be his name. No matter what comes, may we serve God. That's why we were born. That's the best way to live. I pray that you'll join me with all the days that you have left to write your book in serving God. Well, as we think about these things today, perhaps it's a wake-up call for us. 
Maybe we've been on idle or in a low gear. Maybe for other, others of us, it's a sunburst. We know your will is more like a sunrise than a sunburst, but maybe it's a sunburst. It's like, gosh, I've been trying to do this for me. I've been trying to live my life for me. Help us today, Lord, to surrender our futures to you, beginning with today. We don't have all the answers. Our blueprint is not to be known to us. But we can start by saying this. We trust you, God. We love you, God. We will serve you, Father. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.